Lord, thank you so much for your strong love. We pray that our hearts would be soft today. They would be softened and so that we would receive the message that you have for us. That we would listen for you to speak to us through the music, through the friendships that we have here, through even the drive as we came here through this beautiful, beautiful country and world that we live in. So God, bless this time that we have here as we grow and we strengthen together. And bless it so that as we receive, we become this group of people who are givers. That we, that we are sent into the world with a message and, and with purpose and with new hope. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now today, we are continuing and finishing the reality series. Can I hear an awe? Uh, I know you're sad, but it was a great series. It was really good. And Paul, through this series, has been reminding us that, that with God's power, God is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ever ask or imagine in our life. That's a lot. And, and, and one of the big questions that we're going to be asking today is not just about the reality that, that is in the future. We're going to be asking about the reality of ourselves. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? What does it mean to truly be you? So we're going to have to dig down deep into this scripture. It's Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And it is this letter written from Paul, Paul who is in prison, and it's written to a church that is, needs to be called out to be more of themselves and uh, a little less, uh, how do you say, false in their life. So I'm excited about this passage because of the amount of lives that have been transformed because of this message and because of this passage, the amount of families that have been healed through this, the amount of testimonies I've even heard of today that have, have experienced God's goodness in a new way through it. So are you excited to read the Bible with me? Yeah. Oh, all right, never mind. We'll do something else. Are you excited to read the Bible? Yeah. There we go. Let's jump into the scripture. Now, by the way, this whole idea of reality is a confusing thing. I get it. Um, actually, this is one of my favorite quotes from the author Tom Clancy, who's a detective novelist. And he writes fiction books. Uh, and he says, the difference between fiction and reality is that fiction actually has to make sense. Yeah, can you identify with that a little bit? Only a little bit? I mean, have you been alive this past year? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> It is so hard to determine what is real and what, and, and, and sometimes reality becomes more bizarre than fiction, doesn't it? But then you step out and you encounter the mountains, you encounter the trees or the rivers or the streams, and you realize that reality is true, that it's solid, that it's something you can hold on to. And I loved how Bo, do you remember Bo, this 10-year-old that just gave the testimony? Wasn't he great? And he shared about how he was surrounded by this confusion in his mind. His family's, his house was just chaotic. And trust me, our house is way more chaotic than his. I'm positive. So I can relate. But to, to leave the house and then to go out and, and see the rocks and the trees and the beautiful world. And he said that he felt that God was talking to him in that moment. And that, that he felt, he felt ha- that he was ha- then happy for all of the things that God had put, all the people that God had put in his life. I want to get to that place, don't you? And so, so, so this, is what, this is what Bo was talking about, this kind of reality. I found this in the river earlier today. Yes, I was wandering around in the river. Don't ask why. Uh, but I found this there, just, just down this bank here. 
And I thought, this is truth. This is a great illustration of truth. Do you want to hear truth? This is truth. (laughs) Truthfully, that's the first time it hasn't landed on my foot. (laughs) That is truth. It's solid. It's real. It's tangible. You can interact with it. Now let's listen to what Paul has to say about being true people. He says, now this I affirm and insist on the Lord, insist on and in the Lord, that you no longer live your lives as the Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds. How interesting. Uh, And you're probably thinking, great, this verse doesn't apply to me. I don't know any Gentiles. Um, Actually, Gentiles are more like, you could think of the, the popular kids. It would be the, the, the common wave, the common movement. So, so uh, what Paul is saying is stop trying to live like the popular people. Stop trying to be cool. And start being more of yourself. Uh, and actually, I love the way E.E. E. Cummings states this. E.E. E. Cummings is so real, this author, that E.E. E. Cummings actually writes the name E.E. E. with no capitals. And actually, none of the writing of E.E. E. Cummings is in capitals. So if you're uh, kids, if you ever get an SAT test and you get that answer right, send me 10 bucks, okay? So it says, it takes courage to grow up and to become who you really are. Boy, I wish I'd heard that message as a kid growing up. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Here's another guy that wrote a, wrote, wrote a quote and it says, his name's Dan Pierce and he said, I'm not going to pretend that I'm something I'm not so that you like me more. <laughs> you hear all that confusion? I'm not gonna, oh, yeah. And then this is the other one. Don't change so people will like you. Be yourself and the right people will love you. Paul is saying, don't try to fit in. Because when you try to fit in with other people around you, then you end up adjusting and becoming more like them and less like yourself. You are essentially not being real with the world around you. And you're not being true. And so you're, you're becoming someone else. And Paul goes on to dig deeper into this text. I had some people after worship say, boy, we really went deep with that. And I said, yeah, we can handle it. We've got it. This is what Paul says. He says, they are darkened in their understanding. Basically, that's his way of saying they don't know any better. Okay? They don't know any better. Alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and their hardness of heart. See, the problem with following someone that doesn't know where they're going is that then you end up going nowhere. The problem with, with mapping your life after someone else who doesn't really know who they are is that you become distracted and you become disillusioned and you don't really have a grasp on reality. This is where it gets even deeper. And it says, Paul says these words. He says, they have lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So nine years ago, I was on staff here at Highlands. uh, And we were about two years into the building of Highlands Church. And um, we had started our first teen night, our first youth group night. And it was up here. And there were a lot of kids. And I visited it. I wasn't one of the youth pastors, but I went and visited it. And as I visited it, the people who were leading the group said... We lost two kids. Help. Can you go find them? They just left. We don't want to tell the parents that we don't know where their kids are at the end of the night. 
Maybe Highlands will be finished. So something like that. So I, uh, so I ended up going looking for them. And you can notice a common theme from last week's message. I walk down the stairs and I hear the rustling in the bushes. And they come out of the bushes and they are lit. They're baked. They're high. They are so far gone. And they come up to me and uh, I bet they didn't feel very good at this moment. Uh, I know encountering the pastor is probably not their dream come true at that point. So then I thought to myself, oh, this is one of those moments where I get to be the adult. And I get to give them that talk. You know the talk? The like buzz killing talk? The one that's like, oh my goodness, what? So this is me speaking to them. And I just, I, I just, it occurred to me and I, I started thinking, you know, this stuff, this stuff can be really dangerous. It can be really, really dangerous. Because what it does is it starts to alter your perception of reality. And they're like, yeah. And so, so like, it starts to alter, alter your understanding of reality. And, and you actually think, this is the craziest thing about this substance and, and any other substance, really, because it always kind of like, it kind of tricks you into thinking, it kind of tricks you into thinking, thinking that, uh, that, that reality is not the coolest thing. Isn't that crazy? kind of tricks you into thinking that reality, as it is, is not the best. That's not the ideal that you're striving for. And what it actually does is it it makes you think that if you want to be really rebellious and you want to be really countercultural, you're going to go this direction. You're going to be high, for example. And, And I said to them, I said, wouldn't it be, don't you think that the one thing that the man, whoever that is, the man would really want you to think is that the best way to spend your revolutionary, radical energy is by getting completely baked out of your mind. And to do that through all of those years when you have so much passion, so much energy, so much ability to affect change in the world, and you just, you basically just smoke it away. Because then you would be no challenge to the man. You'd be no challenge to the culture. You'd be no countercultural influence. You would just be benign. You wouldn't make any impact on the world. Isn't it interesting that people who advocate for uh, casual relationships, casual, casual, I'm being delicate here, casual physical relationships, people who advocate for that would say, oh, you're being more in tune with your emotions. You're being, uh, you're so much more free of a human being. But actually, people who experience that and who engage in that on a regular basis, they end up losing touch with their emotions. They... Have you heard of people who've been on drugs or have been in those kinds of experiences where they talk about life becoming numb? Where they start to become detached from reality and the relationships are not deep at all. They're frivolous. And wounds take place as a part of it. So, Paul goes on to say this. That is not the way you learned Christ. Can you imagine someone telling you, do you really think that that's what Jesus wants in your life? That's not the way you learned Christ. And he goes on, he says, for surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. So I had a friend in college and his name was Miko. And Miko was from Finland. And he had never, he was in college and he had never heard about God in his life or even thought about God or Jesus. And so the first place he started to learn about God was in a, in a, in a philosophy class. By the way, that's not the best place to start learning. I mean, like, maybe it is. God does wonders and works in incredible ways. So he started to learn from his philosophy professor about Jesus. 
And his philosophy professor started telling him how bad Jesus was. And, and, and how bad Christians were, and how bad the Bible was, and how bad God was, and that if they were really compassionate, kind human beings, they would never become Christians. And he started to outline all of these arguments, and they all seemed very well researched. Like the professor had done a lot of work to establish them. He said, see this, see this, see this, see this. And I said, oh, wow, that's interesting, Miko. And I didn't really know a lot about the Bible. So then, so then I said to him, I said, you know, that doesn't sound like Jesus to me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. I follow Jesus, and that is nothing like Jesus. It doesn't smell like Jesus. It doesn't talk like Jesus. It doesn't act like Jesus. It doesn't look or sound. Okay, have you ever heard of the term, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, what is it? It's a duck. So imagine this. Someone starts saying, I've got this being I want to tell you about. And it walks on water. It catches fish, it catches fish, and it has the ability occasionally to fly through the air. And you think, oh, wait, this person might be talking about Jesus. And then they say, and occasionally it quacks from time to time, not sounding like Jesus. The little ducklings follow it around a little bit. But when you said ducklings, okay, you're talking about a duck. People all the time start describing Jesus. They say, oh, this is who Jesus is. And they start to unpack who, who Jesus is to them. And you realize they don't even know who they're talking about. They're talking about someone completely different, a way off the map. That's not, that's not who Jesus says Jesus is. So this is what I did. This is a tip. If you, if you are exploring faith right now, go to the library. I told Miko, I said, go to the library and pull out the Bible that has the red letters in it. And all the red letters are the words of Jesus. Now, you don't want to stay a red letter Christian, as they call it, forever, but it's a great starting point. And I said, Miko, what I want you to do is I want you to look at those red letters, read them all, read all the red letters, the the words of Jesus, and then come back to me and tell me if you have anything, any problems at all with what Jesus said. He did. He read it. He's a good student. He was from Finland, I guess. So he came and he read it and he said, I think I get it. See, he started to have a foundational understanding of who Jesus was. He was starting to encounter the truth of Jesus in his life. And it was this rock that was being formed. You know, when people for thousands of years were trying to figure out who God was and try to understand God and interact with God, they would go into nature and they would find rocks like this and they would say, this rock is going to tell me something about who Jesus is. And then they would go up to a tree and they'd say, this tree tells me a lot about, not Jesus, they would say about who God is because they didn't know Jesus at the point. So they, this mountain tells me a lot about who God is and they're right, it does. So does the rain, so does the wind. God is speaking to us all the time through those things and, and we can grow a lot in those ways. But then Jesus came, God incarnate, Jesus. Jesus, God, God, Jesus, same thing. Jesus came in human form and And he appeared to us. And suddenly, we were able to see who God was in human form. Basically, a human being that was able to be as real, as real about who he was as the rocks and the trees were real. Can you imagine that to be as real in your life as the rocks and the trees are as real in their their existence? To shout... The Bible says that the rocks and the trees shout and proclaim the goodness of God. You know, that's what would happen in your life. If you were just real, if you were just absolutely 100% real with your neighbors, with your friends, with who you are, about who you are, you would just begin to shout and proclaim the love of God in the world. That You couldn't help it. That's just what you would do. 
I love Paul's message. You know, some of the best spiritual growth that is happening in this church right now and every Sunday is downstairs in the children's ministry. And a month ago when I came to, uh, I came here to preach for the first time in a long time, my wife and I drove away and we said, that was an amazing Sunday. And our three kids were in the back seat. And we turned to the kids and we said, hey, what did you learn in Sunday school? And by the way, uh, Kathy is here, and she's, she's the one who, taught, who taught our kids that day. So I want to give you a big up on this one. This was so big. Olivia says, we learned about Jesus. Okay, you think that's not a big deal. My wife and I, we turned to each other, and we literally leapt out of our seats. Our, our kid just said that she learned about Jesus today in Sunday school. It was the coolest thing to us. Because you know what we knew? We knew that there was a foundation of who Jesus was that could not be shaken. As Jill said earlier, it's unbreakable. This is the strong love of God. And that she would have that with her forever for the rest of her life. And if anybody said, hey, that's Jesus over there, she'd say, I don't think so. When I was a little girl, I was in Sunday school. They told me who Jesus was, and I know who Jesus is. Unshakable, unbreakable foundation of truth. Truth is in Jesus. Isn't that beautiful to hear? Jesus is truth. Now listen to how Paul continues in the scripture. Paul says, you were taught, and this is what he's saying. Remember what you were taught in Sunday school. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts. You see that? And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness and image of God in true righteousness and holiness. You ever hear someone say, that is so righteous, dude. No, my wife said, don't say that on Sunday. No one will know what you're talking about. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? But what is, what is righteous? It's like, that was the most righteous wave, dude. Right? That's so Righteous. Wouldn't you want, like, I just met a guy outside. He was just like, basically for an hour, just like, that is the most righteous thing. I can channel it. That's why I can do this right now. He said I could say who he was. His name is Adam Robles. Do you know who I'm talking about? That guy knows what righteous is. He's a skater. He's, he's real. If you want to meet someone who's real, talk to Adam Robles. He is the most real human being. I love him. That's righteous. You want to see righteous, talk to Adam Robles. He is honest. He stands there before you. He says who he is. He has no hiding about who he is and what his past has been. That is so righteous. That's what the rocks and the trees do. This rock doesn't say, this rock doesn't hide its brokenness. It's right there. That's real, right there. This rock has a story to tell. I used to love going on, on, on backpack trips with geologists. You know what they could tell you? They'd look and they're like, the story behind this rock is that it, it was amazing. Is your story that transparent? Or are you hiding it? Are you trying to be like somebody else in your life? Are you willing to stand up and say, here I am, I can do no other? That's what Martin Luther said not Martin Luther King Jr. This is Martin Luther from the Reformation 500 years ago. They were going to kill him because he said, Jesus Christ, anybody can talk to Jesus. They were going to kill him for that. But he knew it was truth. He knew that anybody could go into their bedroom or in, on, on the top of a mountain, they could just start talking to Jesus. They didn't need a priest. And they were going to kill him for that. And you know what he said? It's truth. Here I stand. I can do no other. Isn't that awesome? 
He stood in a courtroom and he said, sorry dudes, I can't tell you anything other than the truth. That's just what it is. I want to be like him. I want to be like Adam Robles, who's so honest. I love you guys. You guys are the best. Did I already tell you that thing about ducks? I did that, right? Okay, I'm just checking. You know, I love... Um, one of the things about taking off the old self and putting on the old, the new self, that idea, it's actually a psychological term. Now, this is the idea. When you're a little baby, all you think about is that you're connected to mommy and daddy. And as you grow up, you become more of an individual. You're able to go out on your own. You can go check out the world. And actually, there's this one point when you grow up and you start to say, mom, I don't really think like you do. Do you know that? You did it as a person or you're thinking it and you're like, I wish I could say that. But there will be a time and you'll turn, Dad, I don't really have the same opinions as you do. That's called individuation. It's when you start to like put off the old self. But the problem is a lot of times when people do that, they end up putting on the new self that is this fake self that's created by the people they're surrounded by. And it's culture. And it's whatever you want to call it. It's, it's following the cool kids in school or whatever it is. It's that, and it's that thing that, you know, you need, you need Paul in your life saying, that's not what you learned about Jesus, you know? And just like, so matter of fact, like, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. So what happens is Paul says that Jesus Christ is in our lives. So we don't need to map off of our parents anymore. And we don't need to map off of, some of you need to map off of your parents. But for the older people, you don't need to map off your parents anymore and you do not need to map off of the culture. You don't need to be the sponge. What you can do is you can actually map off of Jesus Christ himself. You can go into the red letters and actually by a strange thing, we call ourselves, Jesus calls us the hands and feet, his hands and feet. This is the body of Jesus. And so when you're in this space, at least theoretically, you should be interacting and hearing God's voice and God's goodness in your life. And you shouldn't be taking down a dark path in your life. You should have the loving arms of Jesus around you saying, walk with me. I want to be real with you. Now, I think I would be shortchanging you because I, I was going to leave this whole section of scripture out. But there's, I'll just tell you it in one sentence or two sentences. But Paul keeps talking about what it's like to be real and true. And do you know what he says? He says, you know, a lot of times you find some incongruity in another person's life. And you go off and you think that the best way to be, interact with that neighbor, the best, when you hear speak truth to a neighbor, you think, oh, I'm going to speak about their truth. I'm going to be like, hey, yo, you've got, the, you've got a problem over there. But actually, what Paul means is that when you interact with that neighbor, the first thing and the main thing you want to do is speak tr your truth. The truth of your brokenness. The tr truth of your pain. And what Paul says is that this is the path to healing and forgiveness. You know, all those times when you've, when you've engaged in casual relationships, those have caused hurt and pain in other people's lives. They've taken away from some wedding day or they have taken away from some relationship or they've taken away from something. Every time that you've, you've gone down that path and hurt another person, you've caused pain. And to be honest about that and to stand and say, you know what, I, this, is, this is what my story has been like. Paul says it's the path toward forgiveness. 
which a lot of people think is a reality that's not possible. In your smallitons, these are called smallitons, and I, I said anyone who can come up with a better name, uh, they're, they're smallitons because they're bulletins that are small. Is that a bad name? Uh, you can have this rock if you can come up with a better name of that. Inside is a scripture, is your memory scripture, or a scripture that I'd like you to focus on this week. George Lucas said these words. I'd like to show you this. George Lucas said, you know who George Lucas is? Do you know a movie that he made by any chance? Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. What other movie did he make? Does anyone know? Yeah. Indiana. Indiana Jones? Did he make any others? Anyone know? No, just those two. Just those two. Wow, serious? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> he should make more movies. Um, okay, so all, this is what he said. Always remember your focus determines your reality. Okay, so George Lucas, I think, is a great example because when George Lucas lived in San Francisco, he was surrounded by these big kind of like cranes that would lift up cargo and lift them up onto the ships. Have you seen them on the, uh, on the edge of San Francisco? Don't they look like those big robot things from Empire Strikes Back? Like he didn't get that shape out of nowhere. You ever been to the Redwood Forest and noticed the name of the Indians that live in the Redwood Forest north of San Francisco? They're called the Miwok Indians. Isn't that crazy? See, George Lucas was the one who was able to focus on reality and he was able to create, more than you, create that more than you can imagine and, and, and powerfully impact people's lives through interesting messages. I want you to focus on this scripture because I think that focusing on a scripture like this is the path toward more than you can imagine or ask that we've been talking about this whole time with the reality series. So this is what it says. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. You are the children of God. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You want to be radical? You want to be countercultural? You want to change the world? Walk in the way of love. Nobody would see that coming. I guarantee you, it will change the world. And it's the way of truth, and it's solid, and you can rest your whole entire life on it. You can get your kids plugged into it, and you can see it transform and just like a ripple effect, change the world. Now, today is our last Sunday of the reality series. And so we've also given you all of, everyone in here, this little card. Did you like the testimony that Bo gave earlier? That little 10-year-old kid, not little, he's a big 10-year-old kid, who talked about God's love and what he saw of God and heard of God in his life. Can you imagine if Bo kept that to himself? We want you to share the goodness that you've experienced through the reality series. Think back on the messages of walking alongside one another. Think about, those, think about the questions of forgiveness. Think about the, the topics that we've covered, the, the, the idea of lifting up another human being in life, how powerful that can be when you all got those cards last week. And please share it on this card today before you leave and post it on the wall. And next Sunday, and if you could put your name, we'd love that. And if next Sunday, we will, we will celebrate with all of these. As our celebration Sunday, we will celebrate all that God has done through this reality series. And if you are brave enough, if you have the courage, like E.E. E. Cummings says, or the courage to be who you are before the whole world, then we would like you to be videotaped after the worship service today to share how God has moved in your life, to share the goodness that you've experienced, 
share the truth of the reality, the reality of who God is to you and how you've understood God more through this series. Sound good? Listen to this scripture. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we pray that our hearts would receive this message. That we would more and more look like you and less and less look like false copies of other human beings that we're trying to be like. That we would have the courage to grow up to be more and more ourselves, who we are and who we're created to be. We pray, God, that, uh, that you would continue to expand our minds, help us to understand all of your goodness, to have open hearts to see the ways in which you are working in mysterious ways in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And so today we, we come to you with thanks. We reflect upon the ways in which you have shaped us over the past three weeks. We look back on that first Sunday when we started this journey to, together we think about all of the questions that we had. We think about all the ways in which you have just laid your gentle hands of grace on our lives. So God, now, and I encourage you to keep your eyes closed, but if, if you are a person in here who have, has experienced God's goodness in any way over the past three weeks, do what Martin Luther did. He had the courage to say, here I stand, I can do no other. If you've seen God's goodness in a rock or a tree or you've heard it in the music today, please stand and and as an act of prayer and an act of worship. If you've experienced God's goodness through the handshakes or, or through the friendships of this community, please stand as a proclamation that God is so good. If you have if you have walked through these past weeks and you have felt like God loves you in any way stand as a proclamation that that you have experienced the truth of a God who is loving and loving and loving and, and encounters us in all of our weakness. So God, we stand here before you, our proclamation of your love. We pray that you would just take our whole entire life, God, because we trust you that much. Take our life and help us to become who you created us to be, the people who experience far more than, abundantly far more than we could ever possibly imagine. Lord, we give you praise with our hands and our hearts. We praise you, Jesus.